Sorry, I watched that one film, Wall Street, too many times. My bad. I'm already recording, so we're hitting the ground running on this third episode of These American Hands. And the chanting you heard when you first turned on your radio was the chanting of none other than Chris Bishop. Hello. And uh, we are recording our third episode here, and we've gotten a lot of good feedback from those of you that are listening so far. So we encourage you to continue to send us a message if you're enjoying the episodes. I would also like to ask you if you would like, if you could do one thing for us. If you don't like Chris, that's fine. But for me, if you could please take this episode or any of the previous two episodes and please share them with a friend via text, email. You could write out the podcast and write it down and mail it to a friend and let them know the subjects that we are discussing. That is fine. Did but you literally just it. try to try to send a podcast location through mail? Is that Did what you're I? suggesting? Yeah, that's what you just said. Write it well, down. I I, I, well, you know, maybe some people they still like to operate through snail mail, which I think that's great. I encouraged. I, I think that's awesome. I will tell you right it's now. Exciting. Uh, and it's actually it's gonna. I tell you what, this is how good we are. We are going to tie in our topic off of what I'm about to talk about right now. But uh, one of the things I do as a shop teacher that I find is very pertinent to today's youth is that I like to have our students physically write a letter and I make them write a letter. And then, uh, because we do, we, I do a couple of things with it. One, I want them to work on their handwriting. It's actually for my drafting class. So it's kind of a fun way for students to focus on working on literal handwriting. But then secondly, I make them write out uh, or address an envelope, and you would be surprised how many high school students cannot address an envelope. And I'm not picking fun of them. I'm not picking on them there. I'm saying that because people have not taught them when they're in high school. And so every I've just made it a part of my curriculum now that it's one of the first things we do in drafting. And you would be surprised, a lot of students roll their eyes and they get really frustrated and I'll make them rewrite letters and if it's sloppy or not, it's not consistent. So, so you're, are you, when you say you would be surprised, are you talking to the listeners or me? Cause I'm not surprised. I'm a middle school, you know, well, teacher. That's true. Okay. That's true. Uh, uh there are, there are a lot of skills, written skills. Um, man, we're going to get way off topic if we go here pretty soon. But I will agree, written skill is a fading skill. And I and I don't have I don't have nice handwriting, but I can write a letter. Uh, I can you know obviously put it in an envelope, address it, put it away, all those things. But I it is something, and I'm glad you're doing that. That they need to learn that they don't understand or know because what everything is, I'm typing on a computer. Um, you know. That their interaction, and that goes back to even conversations, and we've kind of started this. They have a struggle to have a conversation with a real person face-to-face. You know, mm-hmm. they're used to texting, and, you know, and even when you text, you don't use full words, and they think that's how <laughs> that's how you write a language. 
I'm well, and you can see me because we can visually see each other, but uh, we really have to be careful here because we could easily go way off topic right here yeah, on this yeah. subject. Because, but I, I actually do think that this is a subject that we should really do a deep dive into about some things as teachers and coaches that we see through technology and, and some what I would consider should be some pretty basic things for, for young adults to be able to do. But no, I do. I didn't mean to get us too far off traffic to, or off uh, off topic there. But I do. I make my students write a letter. It it's really interesting to see because some of them kind of you know they kind of get excited about it and they you know didn't know how to address an envelope and so they kind of enjoy it. And others get really frustrated because I'm trying to teach them, hey, this is an important thing, like. There's and a perfect example I give every year when I do it is my grandparents, uh, they built a house in 1972, I think. But previous to that on their property, they lived in an old farmhouse that was built in like 1860, I think. It was about 100 years old when they tore it down. And it was, my grandpa tells me it was not a well-built house. He goes, it was, it was poorly, wasn't insulated at all. It was on a dirt foundation. It was, it was, it needed to go down. But they found some letters from the Civil War in that house, written oh. from a soldier back to his family, and they he still ho- he still has those letters over in his house. And I remember my grandma showing me those when I was probably in middle school, and really being interested in it and thinking, "Wow, this is really cool." And kids that are texting and emailing, you know, those things are going to get deleted and forgotten about or you know maybe they'll never open up that email again and that'll be it whereas a letter is a hard copy of something that they can have you know you can you can have as you know a good memory from someone that you care about or something that you can put away you know write love letters to your wife do you still write love letters to your wife i could no i I haven't in a while (laughs) I, i i did i used to Probably early on. I'll, so, I'll be honest. I don't, so I'm, I'm okay. not going to accuse you. Well, you didn't accuse me. You just called me out, but that's okay. So, <laughs> man, how did you get there? I mean, I'm glad we got there, and that mm-hmm. that's all that's all good. But uh, do, you, do you want me to bring us back into what are yes. our topics we of the day? Yes, all right. Bring us back. So, so, <laughs> so our, our main topics we're looking at today is, is – we're going to talk about coaches in our past. Uh, I think specifically wrestling. I could probably go all over the map with different coaches. Um, and then we're going to kind of get into two other pieces of the topic, which is why we got into coaching and why, why we're teachers. Um, so we're going to try to kind of break it up into three segments today. Um, and so I think, like I said, I think what we'll start is with, um, with our coaches. And what I talked to Justin about before we started today was I'd like to talk about Coaches from like our youth days, youth program days, um, maybe I'll talk, then he'll talk about his, and then we'll go to kind of like middle school years, same thing, and just kind of work our way up a ladder, if you will. Um, and I'm going to talk about different things you got for them, and I'll probably, just knowing me, when I talk about somebody, I'll be talking about their personality and what stuck out to me. Um, and so when we're doing this, for me, one of the things that I think about is 
you know, when the question came up, you know, why do you coach and why do you teach? Well, obviously these people put a big influence in, in our lives. Um, whether we realize it or not, um, it's, it's there. And so it'd be interesting to see this kind of come out. Um, so Justin, would you like to start with the youth coach? Yeah, I can talk about your, well, I'm going to tie in. Well, I started, I, I think I was in maybe third or fourth grade when I started getting taken to some just base, some just intro wrestling practices. I never competed until I was in seventh grade. Um, the interesting thing though, is our, my youth coach or our coach who was putting on the practices was my, ended up being my high school coach. So it was coach Manahan. Um, probably many of you, or many people in the wrestling community will know him. And I actually, uh, I haven't told you this, Chris, but I want to, I think he'd be a fun one to get on here. And, okay. Uh, and interview him and talk, get him talking. I think they get a lot of good stories, but, um, but I will say that. So even at a young level or at a young age, I remember coach Manahan in my dining room when I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old and him like teaching me stance work. He was there to talk to my dad about some business stuff. Cause they were building together at the time, but he grabs me and he's like, always look at their belly button. They can't go anywhere without their belly button. <laughs> That's what he was telling me when I was young. So I remember that. And the one thing I'll tie with that is that uh, Coach Manahan uh, loves the sport and he was always very involved at all levels. And a good example of that is that he he's my first memory of wrestling and he was my high school coach, you know, by the time I got into high school. So, but he, he was a very good proponent of the sport. So what do you, uh, what's your memory? When did you start wrestling? You know, uh, I have two older brothers, so they started before. So really when they started wrestling, even though I officially wasn't in practice, I, I mean, I started wrestling and that was very early on. I would say first grade, second grade ish. I, I don't know. I'd have to look back to see, um, and maybe even predates that, but then I, I can't completely recall that. So I guess you could almost call my, my brother slash my dad being my first coach. And actually one of my brothers will probably come up again when we talk. Um, but then there was a, when I was a youth club, um, do you know Don McKeel? He's a big time referee in Illinois. At one time was the president of the IWCOA Sterling head coach at one point as well. Okay. Yes. So Don is pretty well known in the state of Illinois for wrestling. Don was not my kids' club coach, but his brother Mike, whose nickname was the Dog, uh, was my was my kids' club coach, and the Dog was awesome. This guy was full of energy. Uh, uh, I don't want to say I don't mean this in a negative way at all about Mike. He's kind of a roughneck guy. Um, I love him to death till this day. If I see him on the street, I'll stop and talk to him all day long. But he was just exciting. He was great to be around as a kid because. Um, I kind of like to push buttons, especially back then. Um, I was quieter, but I like to push buttons. I still like pushing buttons today. And he was a guy that kind of, kind of would allow you to push buttons and kind of see what you do a little bit. And I nothing too far, but I just had a lot of fun with the guy. And he was he was he was great in that way. And um, that would also lead into a guy that was named Tom Butler. His name Tom Butler. 
He's a good friend of mine even till this day. He actually ended up coaching with me. He was my first assistant coach when I was uh, at the high school level when I started coaching. But he was a kids club coach when I got a little older. And um, the great thing about Tom was he was a prison guard. He had a certain mentality about him. And he expected things out of people. Um, you're going to do it the way that he wanted it done. And he would tell you why you wanted to do it that way. Um, but he ran, he was very regimented in his practice. I mean, it was, everything's written down. We're going here, here, and doing this at this time. And that's one of the things I can tell you that I picked up as a coach and from several different coaches, but he was very organized. Um, he didn't have a kid in the, in the program. He just liked wrestling. He, he re-wrestled around the area when he was in high school and he, he came back and started helping, um, and so those are two guys really from my youth days that I can really remember that kind of stood out for me. And, and some of it, a lot of it was the personality. Cause I think when you're younger, those are the things that kind of trigger you and make you realize like, Oh, Hey, this guy's kind of neat. Cause they're kind of a little bit different than what I'm used to. And, um, so I give a big shout out to those guys, um, because they, they made a very big and positive impact on my life. Uh, one other name I could throw in there probably would be, um, Jim Hay. Um, his family's big into wrestling around here, but he was also a parent that had, had kids around my age and, and he was great to come in and just a, I would call him a soft spoken guy that was, it was, it was great to lean on when he was around too. So, and there's a whole bunch of other guys I could talk about Brink Myers and I could talk about, I, I could keep going. So I'm, I'm going to stop as far as that goes because man, there's only so much you can say. Well, one of the things that we wanted to talk about today was honestly um, leading, leading, leading American youth today. And right. both you and I... See, now you, hold on a second, Justin. See, now you're going to get a whole bunch of people mad at me because I originally said, and even at the business podcast started, youth coaches, about middle school age, and then high school. So I was building a ladder, and you're supposed to be building back. Are we still, still doing that? We're still oh. on the ladder. Oh, oh you're, you're building ladder. up? I thought you were going to go we're away because just... then I, I don't want a whole bunch of people no, mad at me. They know where I live. I'm not, I'm not pulling off of this. I'm trying to tie in oh. our overarching theme. Oh. I, thought that was a trans, I thought that was a transition phase, but I see what you're doing. No. Now. Sorry. I'm trying to tie in our overarching theme, including our podcast and our podcast name. And the, the main thing that we wanted to talk about with all of this and get into. So what I'm going to say, and see, now you, I lost my thought. What I was going to say was that, what was I saying? What were the words that I said before you cut me off? I got too distracted that you were trying to transition into how you're leading the youth of America is what you're well, going with. What I was getting at is that what the main theme of what we wanted to talk about today was leading American youth. Yeah. And I think you're going to see a common theme between our experiences at, from youth to middle school to high school and to college and to coaching ourselves and to teaching ourselves and talking about why those things are important. Like, why should we care? Because you and I, I think, are in a pretty uh, special place as teachers and coaches in the Midwest that we work in districts that believe in 
Um, I think a lot of American core values that are really important for people to grow and succeed. And what, when you and I think back to our younger years, we think about those people and both you and I, at least I'll speak for myself, but I know that off recording some things that you have said are that we want to tie those things that we do now from the past, or we want to tie the things from the past into the things that we do now. I felt, I remember when I was younger feeling even at a young age, knowing that the people that were working with me, whether it was teachers or coaches genuinely cared about me and my well-being and where I was going. Like I, looking back now, I just thought that was normal. I thought that was just like something that everybody had. And now that I've gotten into teaching and coaching and I, I see, uh, uh, we're around other school districts and we're all over the place and you see things, you now realize like, no, everybody doesn't have that. You know, we were very fortunate to have those things and to have these people. And so that's been something that has been very important to me going through all of this and then why I like talking about it. So I will quickly say that. So for where I went to high school or middle school and high school, once I got out to the middle school, we started wrestling. And a lot of the times what happens, I think it's a pretty normal progression for a lot of wrestling uh, people is that normally you go out for basketball and you get cut and then you need something to go do. (laughs) And so a lot of people go like, well, okay, I wasn't tall enough. I wasn't athletic enough. Oh, here's a big, you know, caveman type sport that I can go do. And for me, I'm not, probably because I knew that basketball wasn't my thing at a younger age, but I just always knew I wanted to wrestle. And when I got that opportunity in middle school, like I didn't even go try out for basketball or anything. And I'm not And everybody, a lot of people do a lot of great wrestlers started off in basketball, you know, and, and it's because they're athletic or whatever. I'm just saying for me, my middle school experience was I, it's what I wanted to do. And it was, a we had our coach, uh, coach Thomas, very good coach. Um, very technical, which I think if you're building a program, one of the most important things you can do in a program is at your lower levels, be teaching good basic technique. Like you don't need you like younger kids and middle school kids and really in all sports. I think that applies to all sports. You don't need all kinds of crazy moves. You don't need all kinds of crazy plays. You need just a handful of really good basic things and basic concepts to focus on. And I think the more you simplify things at that level, the better, the more success you're going to have at that level. But then you're building those important things that are going to carry on for success later. So as you continue to grow. So that was my middle school experience was I, I remember understanding the technique very well. For for my own, <clears throat> there there's two guys that stand out. And what ended up happening is these two gentlemen were around in our junior high for a long time. And then actually when I became an eighth grader, 
they were let go and two other gentlemen came in. There's some other plot twists to that that I'm not going to get into because I was young and I don't I don't I don't want to get into something specifically that I don't I don't really understand or and haven't dived into it in a while. So, um, but the two guys that really stuck out to me because I had a lot of time with them um, was Steve Sloan and Larry Hummel, and these two had been coaching together at the junior high level for a long time. Um, Larry is a local farmer around here, great guy. Very enthusiastic. In fact, right now, kind of the alumni, we're trying to get something together with, with our alumni. We've been kind of building a database of alumni, and he kind of spearheads that for me. So he's a great guy, loves wrestling, uh, loves our program. Um, and like I said, he, he's kind of a spark. Uh, so this guy was around. He's a leg guy around Dixon. When we were kids, and still today, even if he comes and like starts talking about stuff, he's he's a guy that showed me the legs and how to use them. And and uh, he would when you were in middle school, he throw the legs in, and he'd be like, "Get out" or whatever. And you're like, "Oh my gosh, I got this guy. I can't get him off." Um, and uh, the other guy, uh, Steve Salone, uh, he was an electrician around here. He he helped out at the school. Very nice guy, for the most part, very soft-spoken, but he was a great technician as well and understood um, wrestling as a sport and almost as an art. And maybe I'm saying that the wrong way, but he was very technical, and he'd walk you through things. And he was he always seemed to be pretty even keel my whole life being around him. And I even went to school with his son in high school, and then I went to college with his son and then Steve was just a he's a constant person he's someone that is just he is himself and he's a great guy um so they were both great to be around as a young person growing up um they had a passion for the sport and they were good to people and uh, once again just like you said I mean that's the amazing thing is you start to realize like hey I've got all these people that along my lifetime that have supported me. And I know we're keeping this stuff to, to, to wrestling just to almost break down the list so we can get through it. Um, but you're right. That's the common thread is someone that has your best interests in mind as you're going through this. And they just, they care about you as a person. And, and those two, once again, exemplified that. And they were, they were awesome to be around. Um, and like I said, I mean, just because based of where we are in our geography and we all live together and same community, I still have a connection to these people in the community. I see them. I talk to them. Like I said, Larry really supports the program. Steve, we'll talk about wrestling anytime I run into him and say hi. And it's just, it's a, it's a lifelong thing, which I think is awesome. So I had a, I had a good middle school experience and I had some great coaches. So that was, that was kind of my experience going through there. How about how about when you get to high school? Because obviously you're going to have a name come back up. I'm sure we're going to hear some assistance. And, and another question for me is, do you feel, and maybe you can't recall as much from your youth, do you feel that maybe your coach had changed over that time, you know, from your youth? Or maybe he just had a different way to do it. No, he's shaking his head no right now. People, this, this man, this man ham is going to be the same man no matter what decade it is. And, and it's still... He's in his 80s now, and he's still the same person that he was 20 years ago when I was in high school. Okay. Um, no, he and part of that, I don't know. It's a lot of that has to do with that generation, though. And I respect, I, I, I respect it, you know, because now, granted, I think the world was a lot different at that time, you know, and society was different. But, um, man, when you and I, I really look up to a lot of older guys 
and I know you do too, Chris. I look at a lot of older coaches and I look at the success they had and what they came from. And Coach Manahan came from a very poor upbringing. Uh, Coach Floyd B., who I replaced in Lincoln, uh, or I shouldn't say I replaced him, but he was the legendary coach in Lincoln for 30 years back in the, I think he started in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And he, him and Manahan are cut from the same cloth. And, but Coach B came up in a really rough situation um, growing up in like a get, the ghetto in Springfield. And um, then you look at what these guys accomplished and what they turned back around and did and how many lives they've affected and, and those guys. And, and one thing I've appreciated coaching in Lincoln is when you bring up Floyd B's name to somebody who wrestled for him, they smile right away. Like when they say his name, they smile. And I just think I'm like, man, that's, that's, that's a special thing, you know, that you think about that there's literally probably thousands of people that do that, you know, and they have a, a good, you know, relationship with him. But uh, for me going into high school, uh, I, it was a pretty um, special situation as far as we were good we weren't my freshman year when we came in. Uh, I had a big class, a good class. I, man, there was, by the time we graduated, I think there were, I don't know, there was like five or six state placers out of my class, two state champions. Wow. You know, I mean, it was, we were, we were rolling back then. Um, but when I came in as a freshman, the interesting thing and, and what I've tried to do and emulate as a coach is when I walked in, we already knew the expectations. We, it wasn't walking in as a freshman and going like, oh, what's this going to be like? We had already been there. We already knew all the coaching staff. They knew us. They were involved. They were like coming to our meets and, and tournaments when we were in middle school. They were around us. They were around us in the summer. It wasn't like, oh, this is something new. It was like, oh, well, I'm finally in high school, but I already know what the practices are like, and I already know what the expectations are. And I think that's really important uh, as you're growing and building a program. Um, and then it was every day. It was my, my, well, pretty much all four years of high school, every day was a, it was a two-hour dog fight in the mat room. And mm. – I, I personally think from a high school standpoint, looking back, it was a pretty intense high school room. Um, but we had 30, you know, in a small school, we had 30 to 35 guys every year in the room that they, you know, wanted to compete. So, you know, and it just, and when you're, when you have guys fighting for spots, you're just the cream of the crop are going to rise to the top and, you know, they're going to, you're going to be a tough program. Right. Well, so when I got to high school, the interesting change that had happened was a longtime coach that had been here was Dan Farini. Um, he left. Um, and my brothers both had him as a head coach. Um, my oldest brother, Charlie, had him for four years. Um, the brother older than me, which is Brad, he's two years older than me. He had Dan for two years. Um, so I knew of Dan, but I didn't. I didn't have him as my coach. So I don't know him that well. Um, although he coached our junior high program after I became head coach for a while, but I did not have him as a coach. So Evan Thorpe ends up coming in. He he came from Galesburg. Um, Evan 
was a wrestling coach. That was where his passion was uh, at that age. He had a young family. In fact, when he moved into town, my family was there, you know, and a lot of other wrestling families to help him move in. Um, so it was going to be a whole new experience. You didn't know what to expect because we got a brand new guy coming into our program, which people were pretty proud of our program. So he knew was, he was taking that on. Um, Evan's actually known today more for right now is cross country. He's, he's a well-known cross country coach. Uh, he's won a state title in cross country. Um, actually, I think it's two now he's won a, in there. So, so that's kind of where but his passion is, is very much there. Um, Evan himself was kind of a fiery guy. And especially back then, uh, I think some of his patience has kind of gone by the wayside and some of that has to do with age. Um, but if you were an A-type athlete that craved, hey, I got to do this and got to push, got to push, got to push, he is the type of coach for you. And that's what kind of athlete I was. So the pushing the buttons to get things done and to go and to push to the edge, he is great at. Okay, so he does a really nice job with that. And that rubs some people the wrong way. And, and I understand that. And that's one of the things you got to understand about him. Um, so I had a great experience with him. Because that's the type of person I wanted was someone in my crawl all the time and like, hey, how are we going to figure this out? What are you going to do to better? You need to go get this done. Um, and that's that's the type of person I am as an athlete. I like to be driven like that. Um, another person that we had there was Ward Hay. Uh, Ward is the father of a couple of state champs and actually my assistant coach now, Micah. That's his dad. is Ward. He's been around for a long time for our wrestling program. Um I think he was probably a little bit more fiery when he was younger. I don't know that for a fact because I don't remember as much, but I remember my time with him being very calm and where you have the fire with Evan, you got a little bit more calmer with Ward, and Ward had been through a lot of different wrestling things. I mean, he had kids that went on and wrestled in D1 programs, and he'd been through a lot of this stuff. So it was nice to have him as as, as kind of more of a calming voice and, hey, this is going on in the background and things like that and, and kind of walk you through things. Um also had a guy that's just going into our personal high school hall of fame here is Ron Samitas. Um, he was a very technical wrestler. He was a D1 wrestler one time. He was kind of our JV coach. I didn't know as much about him when we had him around until I got a little older and started finding out more about his background. Um, and the always thing was like, if you ever wrestled him in the room, even when he's an older man at the end of his career, you're like looking at him like, oh, this string bean guy, what's he going to do to me? And the next thing you know, like your arms wrapped around your back, and you're like, what just happened? This guy just beat me up, and I don't even know what happened. Um, and then uh, Gary Seibel will be another guy. He came in towards the end of my career in high school, and Gary's actually on my staff as it is. Now, Gary is the guy that we call Mountain Man, or used to back in my day. Um he used to have hair that went all the way down to his butt and everything else. He doesn't have that anymore. He cut it off. But he's a very laid-back guy, um, and he was great to have around as well because he just, you know, he's just he's a good guy to have around. And always, and even to this day, and I've talked about Gary before, he is willing to help out in any way possible. So all the all the things that people don't want to do, Gary's like, yeah, okay, I understand these things need to be done, and and he always had that willingness to do those. So. Those are kind of some of the people that in my high school career kind of kind of helped me out. Um, now, I, I wrestled in college as well, so I've got some coaches there. And I don't want to spend forever on this, so I'm going to run through some people. Randy Stewart uh, was a head coach at Loris College. Your brother had him, and so did I. Um, he's kind of an old-school type of guy. I remember this is one of the best lessons he ever taught me as I, I would go in his office and talk to him 
and he was, had these glasses on. And as you talked to him, he kind of pushed the glasses down and looked over them. And you were okay until those glasses like would come off. And I'm like, oh, damn. So, you know, I come in and I'm talking to him. And I sit down and he's like, what's up? And I don't remember even what I had to tell him. But he looked at me and he goes, you know, you can stop by once in a while and just say hi. Because when you come by here and the only time you stop in here to say something is for bad news, I immediately know it's bad news when you walk in the door. Uh, I, I took that to heart because I, I, you know, one of the things that I changed about myself is, you know, make sure you're always open to people, talk to them, especially people in those kinds of positions. So you have open communication and, and don't make it a negative thing when your face is seen inside of an office. Right. So that's something I took from Randy. But the other part of him is he was, like I said, no nonsense guy. He knew what he wanted. Um, and I appreciated him a lot, especially at that age when you're in college, you need a steady hand. So he, he was, he was that way. Uh, Rick Healy was a, a great guy for me. He was around my weight. We used to work out and we just battle all the time. And he was always willing to battle anybody that was in the room, but a great guy to this day. I still talk to Rick whenever I'm in Dubuque. Um, he loves that program. He loves where I grew up. He's a Dubuque guy. Um, that that's his spot. Uh, Dave Iliria was there for Loris for a little while. While he was there, he, he was a great guy, um, great into wrestling, helping people out, a young guy too. So even though he's our coach, it was kind of like, well, he's a coach, but he's kind of one of the guys a little bit. Uh, Paul Cleary, Paul Cleary is just a beast of a man that I've seen just, and you know the Clearys, um, you know, you know their dad. Their dad is almost more infamous than those guys or famous or whatever you call it. He's a great man. Very old school man, and that's that's gone into his boys, uh, Paul and Pete. And you see that out of them. Uh, and one of my favorite characters for for Loris that we had was uh, Ricky Caceres. Uh, he wrestled at Loris. He he moved down to Florida, and then he he came back. And um, man, this dude! I just remember one time giving one of the first kind of briefings we were in when he first came back, and he's like, "We need dogs. We need dogs in this fight. I need you to be a dog." And I mean, he just the intensity in which not only he spoke, but the things that he would do is, like, incredible. I remember one time he kicked my ass so bad I was trying to get up and he was still kicking my ass. Like, And I remember, like, <laughs> this is a new thing. Like, it's a be even beyond. I mean, Rick would do it a little bit too, Haley. Um, but, like, Caceres, like, he kicked my ass. And as I knew I was getting my ass kicked and basically was like, I can't get out of this. There was no stop. He continued to kick my ass as much as possible until I don't even know how I got out. I don't. I don't know what happened. I think I blacked out at some point there. Um, but but he he was a good dude that cared. All these guys is once again same common theme. They cared about me and and I appreciate that. And like I said, I'm probably missing. I know I'm missing people off this list. Um, but these are some of the people. And my brother Charlie was actually an assistant coach for a while when I was there. Um, and he's done a lot for the sport around here um, and did a lot for myself when I was going through the sport. Um, and sometimes you don't recognize that because that's my brother, right? I mean, it's like, oh, well, that's my brother. But, you know, he, he, he did do a lot. Um, for those things. So I appreciate that. And even when I got into coaching, well, he was the head coach over in Sterling. So it's actually the rival school at the Dixon high school. So like it just, it, it's been a constant theme of building. And now he's actually our middle school coach. So that fold of wrestling, obviously has been in my family very strongly for a long time. But, uh, 
So those are kind of some of the backgrounds. And each one of these guys I've named off, I'm sure I've got probably 150 stories to tell about them. So I'm going to try to avoid that because I think we've got some other things to get to. But So that's a little bit of my, uh, my background with some of these folks. We need to get Ricky Caceres on. Ricky Caceres would be great. Um, He's a Ricky great Caceres. storyteller. <laughs> you know what? He and I one time were talking. I don't remember what we were talking about. We were texting like a few years back. and Or maybe this was in person. Maybe this was still at Lord's. But he was talking about things, telling a story. And I finally looked at him. I was like, Rick, you're an oral historian. And he looked at me and he goes, that's right. Yeah, that's what I am. Oral historian. And I was like, yes, this guy is great. I mean, literally, you know, I'm a history major. And that's one of the things they started talking about history is uh, how do these things in folklore and stuff starts? It's because storytellers, that was a way to get points across. I think that is Ricky Caceres. Mm-hmm. And he can make a trip to the grocery store sound like the most amazing thing that you've heard in the day. And I will gladly listen to Rick. So, I, yeah, I can reach out to Ricky, and I would love to have him around. Yeah, that would be a good one. So, Might have to slow him down a bit, though, the audio. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, we literally, well, we could let him talk, and then we would just have to go back in and edit and, like, s- literally slow it down to, like, half speed so everybody could hear it. Yeah, that guy. You get him going, he's, he's, a, he's a good dude, and he's got lots of stories. So, yeah, it'd be great to have. So, sure. so Justin, let's get, let's get to another part of the meat and potatoes. Uh, we're a little bit over a half an hour into our, into our episode here. So, do you want to start with why you're a coach, or do you want to start with why you got into teaching? Uh, I would say, well, I will start with coaching just because it. I guess it started there for me. Um, interestingly enough, so I did not wrestle in college. Uh, I was not the uh, talented wrestler that you were in my high school years which that maybe maybe that will be a story for another time but i'm, I'm not that talented all I, all I know is i'm i was i was pretty stubborn and mean and just didn't like to lose yeah. and i was well and out work people that's it that's all. one of uh, one of us wrestled in the state finals and one of us didn't so okay well like you said another episode but go go ahead go further than that <laughs> all right but anyways uh so truthfully when I, I was very frustrated with, with high school sports when I graduated and I'll just, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't like saying that, but it's the truth. I was very frustrated. I'd worked really hard, did not get the things that I wanted. And that's the way it goes. That's the way life is. And I, uh, when I got down to school, I went to the university of Illinois and when I got down to school for about a year, I got away from it. And Caleb, uh, was still wrestling my brother. And so I was still going back home to his duels and his tournaments and catching his stuff and just getting back around it. After about a year away, I was just like, like, it was like, man, something's missing. And I'm getting back around that time really kind of pulled me back in. And so I actually, I reached out to I actually reached out to Coach Manahan and said, hey, what do you think? Should I, like, just go in and help a high school? Who should I reach out to? And uh, thinking that I was in Champaign, so thinking, like, he would say Muhammad Seymour, you know, which Muhammad was one of the best teams in the state of Illinois. 
Or maybe he would say Gibson City. Gibson was really big and, and things were rolling for them at that time. Uh, I thought he'd say something like that because they were pretty close to Champagne. <clears throat> and he said, nope. He goes, he goes, I got a place for you. And he goes, here's who you need to call. His name's Cord Schroeder. And he's the new head coach at St. Thomas More. And it was a little Catholic school that had just started. I think when I started coaching there, I think that was just the third year for the school. Okay. So I reach out to Cord, never met Cord before. So I call Cord up and tell him, hey, I'm Coach Manahan said that I should give you a call, see if you'd be interested. I'm in town, see if you'd take another coach. <clears throat> Cord was like, yeah, I'd love to have you on. And, and it was probably the best experience that I could have had to really decide if I wanted to coach or not. Because, and Cord will tell you this, we were horrible. <laughs> it was, I went from, I went from wrestling on a team that placed in state as a team three years in a row, my sophomore, junior and senior year, we wrestled in the state finals my senior year. I went from that to uh, the best kid on the team was like 10 and 12 going into the regional. And we had like seven kids on the team and you know, now granted, all those kids were had only been wrestling two or three years, and they were wrestling in a pretty tough area and gets tough schools. But for my first experience, for me to decide, like, do you want to do this? Because this is going to be a lot of it. Is take you know, you're not walking into a room where there's 35 kids beating down the door and they want to go place in a state tournament. A lot of the times, you might be coaching on teams where you're trying to pull kids out of the hallway and get numbers up and then take kids that have never wrestled before and at least get them to the point where they can compete. And I, I guess I would like to say that the reason that I got into coaching is because looking back at how influential those people were on me, um, you know, it was something that just, it didn't really go away from me, even though I kind of got away from the sport, I still thought about those people and even those coaches are still like they're friends to me, even like I still talk to them. I still call them up on the phone, send text messages. And I mean, that experience of the influence that a person, that a coach or a teacher can have on young people and on, you know, and, you know, middle school, high school, you know, and into college, the opportunity to help people develop in the way and the light that you think is the right way to do it, I think, you know, was the part that really pulled me in. And then through that, then I, I as I got into coaching, I thought, man, I'm really enjoying this. And okay, could I see myself doing this for a while? Yeah. But at that time, I was in school to be a large animal vet. And at that time, I was already starting to waver on that because guess what? I actually don't like science. <laughs> Come to find out, I Whoa. don't like science. I'm I've been not the wrong that good spot, at huh? it either. <laughs> okay. And so uh, I was already starting to waver on, okay, do I want to be in college for the next seven years to become a large animal vet? Okay, let's really stop. Okay, let's just tell people what it really was. It came time where you had to inseminate a large animal and you realized, I'm not sure I can do this. Is that really what happened? 
Uh, that was just part of it. I mean, I was, I did, I've done it all. If it's, if, if you want to talk large animals, we can talk large animals. No, let's not talk about anything you do with large animals. I'm sorry for getting you off track there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just got into it and I just enjoyed um, kind of having that influence background people. And so then I decided, I started thinking about, well, okay, do you want to coach? And I really enjoyed, I did it for a couple more years and enjoyed that. I transferred into teaching, uh, switched my major into education, and and that's kind of how I got into it. Um, to kind of tie in with what I've wanted to, you know, with this podcast and everything is that I think that part of teaching and coaching is to take the things that we've both learned from our past and learned from our history and learn from people like Coach Manahan and Coach B and who was, I can't remember your guy's name. Who was the head coach? At um, high school? Yeah. Thorpe. Coach Thorpe. Well, Thorpe and then the who was the other guy? McNeil? I can't remember his name. McNeil? I don't know who you're talking about. Randy Stewart in college. Not Stu. I knew Coach Stu too, but I mean – all of those people, though, you take the things that they impressed upon you and you want to hand them off to the next group. Yeah. And honestly, and the same thing in the teaching. You know, actually, the person that the, the I remember the first time I thought about maybe I could be a teacher. It was my I don't know, maybe my junior year in high school, maybe my senior year where I had a particular teacher who he was fun. He was actually a history teacher. He was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the way he taught and he made, I, for the first time in my life, I cared about history and enjoyed it. And I remember thinking like, hmm, you know, maybe, maybe I would be interested in doing something like that. And you know, then that led to other opportunities that came on. But, but uh, who were the people that influenced you or why did you get into teaching and coaching? Um. So I guess, I, I, obviously, just like you, I'm going to intermix these as I go in. But one of the things I think about when I think about coaching, um, I can remember this as an athlete. It, it would somewhat drive me nuts. Like, we were a pretty decent team when I got into high school. Like, uh, these guys are still people that I would text today, and not all of them live around here, but I would, I would, some of them do, most of them, and I would say, like, hey, come over, blah, blah, blah. So I still like these people quite a bit today. I still have a connection with them. But I guess my point to here is these are the guys that I grew up with, iron sharpens iron. We're always battling together. So I always had a tight knit with them. And I always felt like I was the person that was like, hey, I might grab this guy here and be like, hey, dude, we got to work on this for you to get a little bit better. And then you can hold down this spot. Or, you know, I remember if like our team was getting beat at some time, I took that personal. Not only did I take my own match personal, I took their other matches personal about my guys. And, and not in some weird psycho type of way. It was just like, hey, that's my guy. And these are my guys and these are my people. And they're losing and I, and I don't like that. And I want to win. And one of the things that I always, always, when people would ask me even back then, what do you, what do you want most? And I would be like, uh, I want to win a conference title as a team. And I want to win you know, a regional title as a team. And so that, that concept of team was kind of always rolling through my mind of that's – I'd had some individual success, but I wanted, like, more together as a team aspect of it. Um, 
And so I guess that part of me was there because I was always talking to people would be on the side of the mat. Hey, how you doing? What are we doing today? How's it going? Whatever. I'm watching your match. And, and, and wrestlers do that anyhow. But I just, I really felt at home in that kind of a, of a setting. And then, and I didn't even realize it at the time. Like that's how I felt, you know, I just felt good that these are my friends and that's what I'm doing. But I've realized as I've become a coach that that's just a place that I feel comfortable with. And so I think some of that even leads into teaching. If you if you look for out for others and you care and you want to see positive outcomes for them, well, teaching is a great spot to be. That that lends itself to it. Um, there's a lot of red tape and some silly things that we do, but but the gist of that is there. So anyways, getting to college, I'm wrestling, and I actually took one year off when I was in college, and. Some of that was, I was a little beat up. Some of it, I was in a spot where um, I was more interested in the other things that happened in college, you know, so that, but that was, so it was all mixed in there. And, uh, and then I came back to it. Um, and then I ended up doing some volunteer coaching with Coach Stu uh, before I took off from there. And I, and I got to a little taste. And I think Stu was very good about telling me one time, I think actually this is when I took the year off, he looked at me and he said, You need wrestling. And in some sort of form, wrestling needs you. So basically telling me, you're going to be back and you're going to need this. I can tell you're going to need this. And he was right. And I came back and then I started kind of helping some coaching there. And then, you know, I eventually I come back to Dixon. I was assistant coach and become head coach. So the question why is I just started to see that my role was going to change. You're no longer going to be an athlete, but you still have a connection to things. And what role can I play, um, even though you don't really know how that figures out. I guess through time, I did realize I needed wrestling back in my life and I needed to find a positive way to give back to the sport that gave a lot to me and my family and, and let other people get to enjoy that. Even though it's a grind, it's a good grind. Um, then I would say with the teaching aspect, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, when I was in school, Freshman year, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, a lot of freshmen don't. You're kind of going through there. And then I started taking a couple of history courses. And then I'm like, well, I really like these history courses. So I started taking more history courses. And, you know, I'm kind of getting to the point in the sophomore year where it's like, well, what are you going to do? And I took some business courses. I Actually, I like business quite a bit. I had a business minor. It was for a while something I kind of thought of. Um, but then you're, like, sitting in these history classes, and, and one of my professors – I think starts talking to us one time and he's like, listen, everybody in this room is on track to go get a history degree. And he's like, what are you going to do with it? Um, you're either going to go, you're pre-law, you're going to become a lawyer. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be a lawyer. And then he's like, uh, you're going to go try to work at a museum somewhere. And I'm like, well, a museum would be kind of cool. And then I think I looked up like what people do as museums, like as historians, I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that because either like you're the guy that's like finding artifacts and this and that. And if you hear them talk, they're like way up here. And I'm like, ah, or you're like showing just kids around on tours, which ends up being well, like, eh, eh, maybe, or I don't know. You write a bunch of books and you live inside of a library and I'm like, no, 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 it's going to work. Or you become a teacher. And I started to be like, you know, I've had a lot of positive teachers in my life. Um, that wouldn't be a bad route. You know, and you also start thinking like, oh, I get summers off. Well, when you become a teacher, you start to figure out that's not completely true. But right. um, so I guess that was one of the things that moved into there. And then, and then, like I said, the coaching and the teaching kind of went hand in hand because like the main goal is still the same. How do I, 
help this person progress in their life and come away with come away with more of themselves and an understanding about who they are, even if it doesn't happen now. And that's the key. You might go something through with something with a kid right now, and to them it's just that snapshot. And you and I both know that, like, and even adults do this, but kids usually can't think a week ahead of time. Like, it's the end of the world if something's not happening, if it doesn't happen within that week or something. But you help them through that, and they get through that, and then as they progress, just like we all do, you can look back and be like, wow, that actually really influenced me a lot. And I didn't realize it. And I, and I'm guessing you've had this experience. I know I have, I've had people come back, whether they wrestled or I've taught them and they're like, Hey, you know, I really appreciated this. I didn't realize it at the time, but it, it does mean a lot to me. And I have that in my own life that I can look at teachers. So, so I guess as things went, I just saw that there's a lot of positives in those two things. And, uh, and I guess that's why I started getting involved with them. And obviously one of the things we both realized is there's a lot more stress behind these scenes than I probably originally thought when I was a college kid being like, yeah, I'll just be a teacher, I'll coach, it'll all be easy. Like, you know, I'm used to this. Everybody's gone through school, You whatever. Um, so that was an adjustment. But I think those are some of the things that led me there. As I Just a positive experience that I had through teachers and through coaches through the time and felt like, hey, there's something you can do with your life that you may not be a millionaire at the end of it. And you may not have this big, huge industry, whatever, big shot guy. But but you could have a bunch of people that you can help in their lives. And there's something there. And I, and I probably realize that more and more. Um, and I'm not going to get nostalgic over things because I got a long way to go, but it is a really great feeling when someone brings something up about you um, and just talk about how you might help them. And as a teacher and coach, sometimes you don't know what that moment is. You don't, you don't know what that moment is until someone comes back and tells you. And, uh, and I like that. And I, you know, I've got kids in college now that once in a while will send me a text message or whatever about what they're doing and sometimes it's to thank me or to just talk or sometimes you just, you know, like I said, just to talk. And it's pretty cool because they're like, I mean enough in their life for them just to reach out and be like, hey. And I try to do it back to some of them sometimes. Like, hey, what's going on? How you doing? Hey, I saw this. You know, and those are, those are cool things. So why I got involved was to add hopefully some positive impact in people's lives and let them add to mine. Because that, that also happens with your athletes and students. They add to you while you're trying to add to them. So, so it's been a cool, cool experience. I know there's, there's always things and there's things with every job, but I think that's what drew me into both those spots. I, um, well, the, I, I think the best part of teaching and coaching is when you see somebody that you taught or coached or whatever, you see them a year, two years, five years after they graduated. And like they, you can tell they, they're really making good decisions in their life and their, and their life is headed in a positive direction. And they have a, a good, you know, and you have a good relationship with them and, you know, and they do, they'll, they'll make a comment like, Hey man, I've really, appreciate all the things you did or said, or do you, you know, this one particular thing. 
And that to me, I mean, there's, you can't put a price on that for when you receive that, that, you know, reward. And I, I'm going to talk about two things that happened within the last two days for me. One, it's, it, uh, I was talking to a friend that I teach with and I used to coach with and he said, he said it really well the other day. He goes, you know, he goes, he always talks about when he was growing up, he, you know, his dad would be, you know, getting on him about something and either yelling at him or getting on him or any, there were a few little phrases that his dad always used to repeat and say and whatever. And, and to him, it was just white noise. You know, it was just the, in one ear, out the other. I'm not like, you don't, you, you don't get it, dad, blah, 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 you know, and he wouldn't even absorb what his dad was telling him. But he said now, you know, he's, uh, I think he's 50 now. Now he hears his dad's voice saying those things and not even in like he does, like he now remembers that he wasn't listening when his dad was saying those things, mm -hmm. but they still stuck in his head, you know? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that that's pretty interesting. And then the other one is uh, just a, an example of what you're talking about is a kid that I had in class and super nice kid. Uh, I could tell he did not have a lot of confidence, um, but it, you know, he's, I'm a wood shop teacher. And so he was in the shop with me and, and he, he struggled with really doing. Um, I mean, I could tell he just, he, he wasn't comfortable a lot of times, but I, every year I'll kind of get like some t-shirts made up that say like rail splitter wood shop on them. I'll get some hats made or something like that. And it's just kind of like, to give the kids something like a feeling of being a part of something belonging and yeah. right. And you know, it's just something, you know, kind of cool, put a cool logo on it or whatever. But I remember he ordered two shirts and I just thought like, Hmm, I didn't even know that this kid was like really interested. I mean, he's doesn't have a lot of confidence in it. And I noticed he ordered two shirts and then as I kind of got to know him a little bit more, I could tell he like, he wanted to do well. Um, he just, you know, had, he had a lot to learn. And um, I mean, he, he got through the year just fine. And I, he gra ended up graduating and I never saw the kid again. I see a picture of the kid yesterday or two days ago. And I'll, I'll just say it. I mean, he, two, three, two, three years ago when I had him in class, he was not in good shape. He was very unhealthy and overweight and really quiet, confident, kind of head down all the time. I see this picture of him on Instagram the other day, shirt off. He's cut down to probably about 10 to 12% body fat, like big upper body smiling at the camera, like flexing his arms and, and not in a negative way, just a, I mean, and he, he had a side-by-side -side picture of himself from a few years ago. And I, I sent him a message and I was like, man, I'm like, I'm just, that is awesome to see this progress you're making. He's going into the army, you know, and I never would have thought that quiet, you know, lack of confident kid that was in my class two, three years ago would be making the decisions that he's making now. But I'm like, man, I that kid gets it, you know, and he's, 
and and I really didn't have I did not have a big influence on that kid. I I didn't spend a lot of time with him, but I'm just saying that like that the being able to see a kid that went from where he was at two years ago to being confident enough to post a picture of himself, you know, physically fit, going into the army, he's proud of himself, he's proud of what he's doing. I'm like, man, that's awesome. And I just that's, it brought a smile brought a smile to my face. One of the things that I I try to be conscious of this, but sometimes I get wrapped up when I'm talking to some of the guys that I used to have around and I see them now and there's some of them are starting families, which is exciting to see and and I think about that and, and hopefully, you know, everything goes well for them and they have a positive impact. Um and we've talked about this a little bit before um when we're talking about people, but I always try to almost t- drop in their ear if, if I'm getting a compliment about something that happened because I was there and, and I'm getting better about this is one, I got to accept the compliment. I'm, I'm not good at accepting compliments. I'm just being real honest. Cause I throw things back and blah, blah, blah. It's just, I don't know. It's some weird thing I got. Um, I wouldn't know because I never compliment you. So. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> look at your big head. Who cares what you think? Um, no, uh, the, the other thing is it just, to, to relay the message to them, to pass it on, because I think it's important that we can continue. If I, did, if I did well by you and helped you out, the biggest thank you you can give me is please go do that for somebody else. Go make that happen for someone else that you know, and that, that, that would be great. Um, and so that's what, what I talk about. And you and I have talked about, again, as your life progresses, one of the things that changes instead of being about you, it becomes how can I help somebody else? And the feeling of helping somebody else a lot of times is way more than you ever get when you do something for yourself. Um, and not saying that stuff for yourself isn't great. I mean, if you've got a goal and you go out and do it, that's great. Like, and right now I'm thinking physically, like, let's say you want to be the CrossFit champion of something local, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's great. And you're going to feel great about it. But you take someone, a young adult, just like the guy you're talking about or somebody else, and you spend time with them and all of a sudden they succeed and you're, you start to see that success. There's a different type of fulfillment that happens inside you. And, and it's, and it's a great lasting feeling. And, um, and once again, that, that goes into, I think why we're both coaches and why we both teach is for some of those moments. It just, it, it's great to see them, but it also fills your cup. It starts putting drops in your bucket. So that's just kind of neat to see. A, a friend of mine posted, I saw a post that he put up on, on Facebook the other day. I don't know. Uh, it's actually another wrestling coach, uh, Adam Richards. Can you hear me? I can I can hear you just fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. But a friend of mine, Adam Richards, uh, who's the head coach at Normal West, put up a post the other day, and and he's made some pretty physical and mental drastic changes in his life. He's actually he's a few years older than me, and um, but he's made a few drastic changes in his life in the last couple of years, good changes. And but he put up a post that he was just talking about. Um, about being cognizant of what he's doing around his family and around his children and what they see him as. And now granted, like he made a comment, like, you know, I might go work out today and get a good workout in. I might, um, 
you know, help somebody, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, move, you know, I help somebody get out of a ditch or help somebody jump their car, uh, you know, whatever. I prayed for somebody today, whatever those things are. But he said, but if I'm not doing those things in front of my children, if I come home and I sit, you know, and all they do is, you know, I'm tired and I'm exhausted and all I do is go sit on the couch all night and that's all they see then they don't see the things that I'm doing throughout the day. And he was, he was talking about being cognizant of being proactive in what we're teaching our children. But I also, you know, I thought of that as a father and, but I also thought of that as, as a coach and as a teacher, like, and a little bit of that's uh do as I, or, you know, I don't, I don't want to say do as I say or do as I, what am I trying to say here? Well, you could just say walk the, stay, walk the walk would just work. There, that. That's that's what I was trying to get at. So yeah. It's Friday. I, I got where you were going. I got where you were going. And I, and I think it's just a great walk message. Walk. Yeah, just walk but, the walk. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I really kind of thought about that. And to tie in what you said about, um, you know, paying it forward from, you know, students that you've had and wrestlers that you had is a really strong message to be able to relay because ultimately that's what we're trying to do yeah. you know and from the people that gave it to us and passing it down to the next group and then it's their going to be their job and and I can tell you I I look at some of the guys that I've coached some of the students that I've had in class and I'm just so proud of you know what I see when you see that positive influence and and you know you think about it's even a tie between the people that brought us to where we're at to them. Yeah. You know, right. we're, we're the connection, but mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to pass on those same values. So. Yeah. I think that is, that is important. That's awesome. And I want to point out something else. You, you said, do your job there. That's my, one of my favorite quotes. We spoke about that a little bit. So good job on that. Good job on that. I um, do like it, that. Hey, the other thing with that is too, and I don't want to get a tangent because I think this could be a whole episode, but some of my favorite people are my 500 wrestlers. Their winning percentage, 500 wrestlers. And you know why? Because those are the nitty gritty people you need to win. Um, but I also think it's the people that you can definitely give the most influence in. I, and maybe I, I'm saying that wrong because I think your big superstar studs and everything like that, you can. But those are the guys you like. You see a lot of growth out of, right? And even afterwards, like they're scrapping, fighting, trying to figure this thing out. You know, they're not on the top of the heap, and and uh, they're important for a team and they're important in life. You know, when we're getting wrapped up in social media. And everybody's making it look like I'm all this and all over the place. There is a great spot for hardworking American hands, people that are putting the dirty work in, taking the lunch boxes, making the weight when other people won't. And those are the things that I love. And I could tell stories upon stories of these things, and, and I've, I've seen them do things that amazes me today. And I, I get chills when I see someone rise up. And they do their job and then go beyond that. You know, you set that expectation 
And not only do they meet that expectation, they start blowing through it, and you're like, look at these guys take off. It's an amazing thing. And I know I'm getting into a tangent, and it's the end of our time, but um, the reason we're doing this is because we do love it, and we enjoy these conversations. And so we're glad you're listening to us um, because I think it truly does speak about our passion just going through this. It's not a forced thing. Um, Justin and I take notes and talk about topics off this, but really when we start rolling, a lot of this stuff is coming off the top of our head and just talking about experience. Um, and sometimes that might get a little messy as you've seen or heard through some of our things, but it's, it's real raw and that's who we are. And that's what I like. So that's all I got for today. Hey man, that was good. That was a nice outro. Yeah. I'm not even going to say anything. People, if you're enjoying the podcast, please uh, share it with somebody. That's what we're going to ask you to do right now. Yeah, share, share away. And if we That's mentioned your name on this thing, we're expecting at least 20 shares. That's true. That'd be a lot. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, your name was mentioned in this. So how hard is that to say, hey, you know what? Hey, I was sure. talked about on a podcast. So all you coaches we talked about before, you're part of that. Now, if you're 80 years old and don't really use social media, you might write a letter to everybody to let them know you're on the podcast. <laughs> See how I brought that back in? I brought that back in. Tied it all. Bookends right there. Bookends. All right, everybody. Well, I'm Justin. This is Chris. These are American Hands. And we're going to keep going. And good news, I have a microphone getting delivered to my house tomorrow. I'm hoping that helps. We're going to keep getting better. Progress. Everybody, have a good one. Out.